Sex magic, what is it? We're about to find out. This is a fun conversation I have with my good friend Omer Pani. You may have caught some of our podcasts on sexual polarity, on domination and submission, but this is on sex magic, and I happened to catch him in this conversation, I think maybe half an hour after he just completed a group sex magic ritual. So this might scare some people or confuse some people, but and there's many different lenses in which to interpret what sex magic means. Uh, I prefer to err on the side of rationality and groundedness, so my interpretation is it's simply a ritualized meditative approach to sexuality that takes all the feelings that get stirred up um, during sex and essentially uses classical conditioning to encourage you to have certain feelings and certain drives and motivations after the sexual experience ends. So, for example, um, I used to do a ritual with a, a former partner of mine. She really wanted to manifest money, manifest, you know, manifest money, create money, call it into her life. So we used to do this ritual where I would stimulate her essentially while she meditated on this intention. And what would happen is for the days afterwards, anytime she thought about her money goal, she would get physically aroused, right? Just like Pavlov's dogs, you know, right? She had this physical stimulation with this thought. So anytime she had the thought, she recalled the stimulation. And the purpose of this would be that um, in her case, she had a certain internal blocks around um, procrastination and like actually doing the things she knew she had to do to make money. But by having this positive physical sensation attached to the thought, um, it kind of removed any resistance she had. Because obviously, it feels good to be aroused. And if you feel good to do something um, or to think about something, um, you'll be more likely to do the thing that has you feel more arousal because we like to feel good, right? We're animals. So there's also many other more mystical interpretations of sex magic, and Ohm goes into that about the, the energies of the universe, but what I love about speaking with him about these mystical subjects is that we do always bring it back to something um, grounded and rational. So even if you don't like things like energy talk or chakras or any of these um, more vague, unprovable models, we'll always bring it back in this conversation to something that makes sense. Because again, it might be placebo, it might be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but if it gets results, it gets results. And Ohm speaks about his procedures with groups, with couples, with individuals for sex magic. So enjoy this and use it responsibly. Okay. All right. So you just did a sex magic ritual. Is that right? I did. Cool. Um, so I definitely want to hear the details and the procedures and all that stuff. But um, could you define sex magic for those who have no idea? We have been told by many traditions, by many uh, lineages, that we do have the power of manifestation, that our word can create things in this world. Our intentions can create things in this world. And uh, we are kind of following kind of the instruction booklets kind of left to us by the ancient masters. And the instructions are actually rather simple, and at least in my opinion. <laughs> it's like, uh, to me, doing magic is the equivalent of saying, oh, just, just go get me a leaf of that plant. Like, that's it? So yeah, just go grab me a leaf of that plant. And they're like, well, where is the plant? Oh, the plant. The plant is on that mountain 30,000 feet high. But you, all you got to do is get me like two leaves. And that's it. So I feel that's the setup for being able to do magic, for being able to be a magician in the world, for being uh, the other word, the Western word for it is alchemy, is being an alchemist in the world. 
So anyway, the procedure is very simple, but the task. But just to, to clarify your analogy, you mean like um, it, it's easy to do, it's easy that this, the tasks are simple, but very challenging, or there's a lot of space between. So let me, let me explain. I mean, yeah, so I mean, that, that's the analogy, that's the vision that comes to my mind. Like okay. if you're next to the plant pulling out two leaves as the medicinal, for medicinal purposes, not very hard. But again, if the plant is, you know, in Mordor, it's going to be a whole journey. So the logic of it is we have a central energy system. We have a Kundalini system that travels to our different centers. And when this energy hits our sixth center, our third eye, our, we have greater powers of manifestation. That which we think about will occur. That which we envision will happen in the world. So it's easy. Just raise the energy to the third center, say sixth center, Hold a clear vision of what you want to create, and voila. Okay, cool. And and to um, compare this to maybe more common models when it comes to manifestation, say love attraction is like the most common thing. Um, yeah. To translate into those terms, this would be like um, putting a lot of feeling behind an intention, to put it simplistically. No, I agree with that. Putting a lot of feeling behind it, and in a way, I very much feel that that center, the sixth center, is so far above of our first center, which lives in the material world, which deals with the dirt and the grit and the wood and the nails and the brick and the mortar, that in a way the sixth center really doesn't understand the language of the first center. It doesn't really understand the language of objects. It's too far above it. It's way far above it. It is beyond our fourth center, which is love. So if we consider love to be the highest frequency of religious traditions have told us God is love, what could conceivably be above two stations above love? And the answer is pure presence, pure awareness. The same kind of awareness that is talked about in creation myths, where God said and it was done. Right. So God seen beyond the limits of material. Yeah, reality. the creation myths actually are basically describing what the functioning of the sixth chakra is. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God said, good. It is so, your basically direct creation from what you want to create, what you want to manifest. So we are, in a way, uh, all you have to do to do magic is become, become a god, that's all. Okay, simple. <laughs> Just go to that mountain. Right? Very easy. If all your kundalini energy can be channeled to the sixth center, that's it. You, are, you, can, you can create whatever you want. But of course, there were challenges that we can't do that. There were challenges that uh, we have lower five centers, especially our lower three centers are filled with our humanity, our past, our weight, our karma, and they absorb our energy. They detour our energy. So yeah. the, the path of becoming a magician, the path of becoming an alchemist pretty much is, it's like a different it's, it's just a ploy, really. It's a different way of saying these are the things you need to do to clear your system and to advance spiritually. And when yeah. you advance spiritually enough, you will be able to move the energy to the sixth center and then create whatever you want. But there's a catch. The catch is that by the time your lower centers are cleared and the energy can hit the sixth center, all your human needs have pretty much fallen by the wayside. Yeah, that was my question to you before uh, last time we spoke, yeah. like, if you're living up here and you're not seeing these limitations, then maybe you're also not interested in 
acquisition of money or gaining fame right. or power. like you're, you're just like, oh yeah everything's perfect so there's like no conflict like all our stories yeah. like entertainment stories have to involve limitations down there because otherwise there's no journey they um, do so if you really appear will you just not care about will you be indifferent exactly exactly you would not care so that's the catch hmm. so here's a story osho tells which i think really demonstrate this points to the t she, this is just an anecdote, you know, whatever anecdotes are there to explain things. So there's the story goes, uh, how does the story go? Let me think about it for a second. Yeah, the story goes, a disciple is uh, whatever, he's meditating in the forest by a river. Uh, uh, initiate, a young initiate, a young sannyasin, right? So he is uh, meditating there and he sees another sadhu come by, another sannyasin, another initiate. He comes to the uh, shore, the riverbank, and then on the riverbank there is a, a guy with a little boat who helps people cross over to the other side, right? Like a ferry guy, ferryman. So the sadhu comes to the ferryman and says, I need to get to the other side. Can you please take me? And the ferryman says, of course, that's what I do all day, but it'll cost you whatever, 50 cents for me to, that's what I do. This is how I'm, this is my living. And this other says, well, I don't have any money. I don't have anything. I don't have any money. And the fairy guy says, I'm sorry. This is my living. I can't take people for free. And the sadhu says, okay, fine. So he walks on water and just gets to the other side. The story goes. Now the young sannyasin sees this and he's flabbergasted. He's like, oh my God, what did I just witness? He runs to his uh, dharamshala, his ashram, to his own master. And he says, you wouldn't believe what I just saw. I just saw the most enlightened man walking the earth. This man just walked on water. And then the punchline, uh, his master tells him, that little stunt that guy pulled is only worth the 50 cents it would have cost him to cross my boat. Yeah, I've heard a different version of that. Like, <laughs> The same same idea, but like yeah, yeah, you could just spend fifty cents, you know. Yeah, right. So this is a this is a very this is actually a key point. I think more than uh, doing magic, the process of trying to become a magician is where the real journey is. And if you try to undertake this journey, it's a kind of a basically a different detour for the spiritual path, and the same glitches that get in our way in one spiritual path will show up also on the path of magic. So what I'm trying to say is that this discrepancy will always show up because what are people trying to manifest most of the time? If you ask them, they will say money, security, health, uh, romantic relationships, pretty much that, right? Financial yeah. freedom, right? Yeah. So again, if we were to take the perspective of those enlightened souls, of those great masters, if you were to come to them, I'm going to speak for them. I can, I can tell you what they would say. They would say, well, have you, have you seen a guy with a Ferrari? He says, yeah. Have you seen a guy with a very big bank account? Yeah. You might have even seen a guy with a happy relationship. Yeah. You may have seen a guy who has financial security. Yeah. Did any of them acquire those things by magic? like magic, like the way you are trying to do it, sitting around and moving energy. And your answer would be, well, not really. Mm -hmm. This guy is an entrepreneur and uh, 
This guy really found the woman he was looking for and they worked hard on their relationship. This guy has worked 10 years building his company that's failed three times. This guy's gone bankrupt three times, but now he's got $10 million. They've all created what they've created through the power of their first center, actually. Yeah. Right. So then the master would say, well, if you can, if what you're longing for is a result of mastery in the first center, why are you fucking around with the sixth center? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why don't you just go become an entrepreneur? Why don't you just go take over the fucking world? Why don't you become masterful in this physical world? Why don't you acquire the skills? Instead of sitting here trying to do magic, that a brick wall be created in your backyard, why don't you either hire somebody to build the brick wall or learn how to build a brick wall if it's available to you through yeah. your physicality, why are you shunning that channel? And if bricks and mortar flow more fluently through your first center, why are you trying to use your sixth center to manifest your Ferrari? Yeah. That's, actually that's, my that's kind of a slap in the face too of like, what exactly are you using it for? Yeah. Well, yeah, my, my main, cause I'm, I'm still, even as, even though I love talking about this stuff, I'm still skeptical of many mm -hmm. things, but yeah. my main interest in magic and stuff is like, um, like say the entrepreneur's journey, I, creating the energy within me that I don't have resistance to doing the things I know will get the results, but I've always been resistant to or blocked around or like right. things that are less uh, tangible, like creativity or inspiration. Like that's what I, I mean, we'll talk about procedure. But that's let's talk I mean. about that because I think that is, you just mentioned the golden nugget, which is creativity and inspiration. That actually is the function of the sixth center. Hmm. That actually is the, channel through which ideas and inspiration and epiphanies, the Eureka movement moments come, uh, where we know we did not manufacture it. When things click, when an idea comes, when an inspiration comes, when uh, a painter starts sketching and creating some gestural shapes on a canvas and he, he or she doesn't even know what they're doing, but they're just flowing with it. And then something starts to gel and they, they're not quite doing it themselves. Or when a musician gets a melody in his head or when anybody, an entrepreneur says, maybe I should try it this way. Hmm. That little click is actually a function of the sixth center. It is a function of vision coming through. And that is a legitimate way where it comes through, where the lower centers are completely in alignment, where you're working as hard as you could in the physical world. Yeah, as they say, uh, perspiration and inspiration. You have put in the 90%, 95% of perspiration. And even then you're like, I'm stuck. All my efforts are still not wielding and you surrender a little bit. And then something opens up, something comes up from top. And this phenomenon is actually described in pretty much every tradition. Uh, Hindus used to have a saying that God helps those who help themselves. I don't know if you, is this the Christian yeah. tradition? Christian saying it's it sounds like a very, uh, you know, kind of a heavy handed thing to say to somebody like help yourself and God will help you. But actually we actually believe it's literally true. Only yeah. when you have completely exhausted your energies, you have completely poured yourself into something and you're stuck and then a breakthrough comes and you're like, I don't know where that came from. Mm -hmm. That is the sixth center energy connecting because everything down here is running on full force. Yeah, like a, you're not so there's the think of the difference between the manifestation uh, 
infatuation in our at least you know woo woo culture like i am just going to sit here and meditate and create shit it well it doesn't work for most people yeah but when you really pour yourself into something your heart and soul then those breakthroughs do come we all get those little blessings right we all get that little little uh drop from heaven try this do this connect these two things flip this around and you're like oh wow i think that's going to work you know that feeling like yeah. holy crap i think that's it right it's literally feels like eureka like the you know running out naked on the street and you're like whoa whoa i think that might work and you like you almost see it before you've done it right we've had those moments and doesn't matter what field you're in could be science could be art could be whatever could be any problem you're trying to solve to me that is real magic that is magic happening because where did it come from i didn't do it right archimedes didn't do it couldn't figure out i think he was trying to figure out the density of gold or whether the crown was completely made up of gold and had to do with buoyancy in the water he couldn't hack it and then something happened he took a bath and something happened yeah so i, I actually accessible for the skeptics you know like i mean if all this magic stuff and movie stuff turns you off you can still see the principles work we'd call it soft fulfilling prophecy very much very much and when in doubt just think of inspiration and creativity yeah think of the times where there has been a gap that got filled like an arc like an arc of lightning and you knew you that lightning wasn't you because if the lightning was you you would have done it yesterday yeah if you could have done it you would have done it yesterday right but you didn't you were stuck you couldn't figure it out and somehow you wake up this morning or something happens that you see something here and it clicks something and things just flip yeah and i believe that is magic that is that is uh, uh in a way transgressing causality because you didn't cause it so who did where did it come from right it's almost like you were wishing for the end so badly that the end came to you and i believe that is the structure of magic that is what we're trying to do we're trying to reverse causality but i think that only works when you have poured your 100% into your end of the causality and then an arc comes from the other end and meets you saying here it's like creating um, luck yeah in other words yeah and it's very exciting when it happens it's like uh, it's it's almost like reassures your faith that you're not alone in the world like there is something else happening yeah right. for me recently i've been really immersed in my work and it's felt very spiritual like on on the sense that like uh i'm meditating in my actions but also right. like i thought about it like i used to be really into law of attraction sit and wish and whatever but i i've realized now like if that all worked it would be very boring like it'd be a, a plotless movie where like there's no there's it no would struggle. be i mean it would be it would be like the story of king midas it which yeah. is which is a tragic it's a cautionary tale be careful what you wish for because most of the time the things we are wishing for we we haven't really thought it through yeah cool so procedures now i mean you did it was a group ritual this procedure year. it's you know the group ritual is not as uh, woo woo or occult as it sounds we you and i both come from we have taken education where we are doing hands on practices we do stroking we raise sexual energy so i'm like let's just create an intention focus on the sixth center mm-hmm. and gently try and connect whatever energy you're feeling in your body with the intention you're holding in the sixth center so just create yeah, a little bit of magic couples don't uh, get together huh? 
you had a bunch of couples get together and what did you meditate first and then go into yes i lead them to a very simple meditation just focusing through the centers and when they reach the sixth center i uh, tell them to hold the intention of what they're trying to create and as i mentioned earlier i believe objects really don't work at the sixth center so focus on the feeling of it yeah so if you're if you're biggest if you're gen- first of all the desire should be genuine don't wish for something frivolously because your desire is the fuel that connects so if there isn't any real desire nothing's going to happen and right? did everyone so, have their own intention or did you everyone has their own intention i don't really care about me doing any kind of a group thing okay so yeah hold your own intention and then focus on the feeling of it yeah so a simple example would be like if you have wanted you to have a ferrari all your life you know and like let's say there's a genuine desire like you saw a ferrari when you were 7 years old you like someday i want to be in that car that looks so awesome right it was a genuine like wow wow right it was you felt it right here so if even if that let's say that desire is still in you like i want to be in that car don't think of the object or at least start with the object but then think well what is the feeling that you're craving what is the feeling is the feeling of you know blazing down the highway in the desert and feeling the hair burning your the wind burning in your hair and just the feeling of exuberance and freedom and you know if that's a feeling even if you wanted you know just for a little while to just have that exhilaration focus on the exhilaration start with the ferrari start with the speed start with the vista then focus on what is it that you are truly craving what is the emotion the state of consciousness that you are trying to hit the sweet spot like oh that would feel so good right and do you feel that um group is it something to the group that adds to it as opposed to just a couple or a solo individual i uh, so this is the, this is a woo part i do believe and i do believe that our our consciousness creates there's a field our emotions our states of consciousness do create a field and we do impact each other right and if people are holding a similar state of consciousness in a group and it's a good state of consciousness the room feels good Yeah if you go to a zen monastery it's really easy to meditate there for some reason and the some reason is there are really good meditators there yeah right if well, you go to that in a yoga class right like it it feels different when everyone's doing yoga around you yeah and i i felt that i feel that very much like when there is a sangha you know indian have this word of sangha of community that if you have a group of people and they really are clean in their intention and purpose not just on what they're saying but the inner state that they're creating if you really have a room of if you have a grid of you know 10 20 30 40 people truly meditating and present i do believe there is a field of consciousness in that that is elevated that is a bit magical yeah. and when you add sexuality to that i mean and this might be super far out for most people to do a sexual practice in the room with other people but you do feel other people's arousal next to you i mean there's absolutely something- you feel their arousal you feel you feel all of it you feel when they're distracted you feel when they're not distracted you feel when their heart opens you feel when their sex opens so i mean if 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 we did not have that information there would actually be no real way of becoming a better lover whatsoever 
Because the only thing you can do to become a better lover is to fine-tune that perception. Right? So the practices we are doing are the practices that Tantra people have been doing for a thousand years or what they're trying to teach is, again, bring awareness into your system so you can see how the energy is changing, so you can perceive the field a bit better, so you can, so you can play with it. So if you, if you can perceive your partner has checked out, you can play with it. You can tap on them and say, come back. Yeah. Have you ever, in a group setting, have you ever felt like, oh, the, the person next to me is not, you know, he's not being attentive. Or like, hey, open your heart. You're all the time. Me. All the time. Hmm. I mean, all the time, not in kind of a judgmental way, but you can certainly feel people weaving in and out. And most common way to, uh, f- most common perception I get is the awareness has gone down. People are not, the awareness is not bright. So when we are doing a meditation and the idea is to be aware, to be present, that even if this, especially if the sensation is good, there's a sleepiness that comes in. People kind of get lost in it. They're like, it's almost like trying to tell them to be aware in sex is a little bit like trying to wake up a sleepy person. It's like you, you rock their shoulders and like, no, I'm fine. This is good. Leave me alone. I don't want to be more awake here. Like I'm wrapped up in my blanket and it feels good. Why are you disturbing me now? I mean, so bringing awareness into high sensation, at times it can feel like a drop in sensation, but so be it. Yeah. That's like the the positive end of where we check out in sex. Sometimes we check out because we're simply not in our bodies. And sometimes we kind of wrap ourselves in the cocoon of pleasure and kind of fall asleep in it a little bit, kind of disappear in it a little bit. Yeah. Get it distracted. Um, uh, So I'm just curious about the, again, step-by-step you, you, meditated together on intentions and then everyone was there together focus on the sixth eye hold your intention convert whatever you're desiring to the feeling of it Mm -hmm. and then when we commence the stroking as we are doing it i have basically three three words people call out as reminders one of them is peak when you and peak uh you know when we have when we feel the sensation rise, surge a little bit. So as a stroker or the strokey, whenever you feel a surge in sensation, call out peak. Because in a, way, the field is, in a way, the field is a little bit more open then. Okay. Yeah, the ego has gotten out of the way and the energy is kind of ballooning, is blossoming a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's a good place to connect that energy with your intention. So peak is one. Second one is simply focus. If you, you, are, you are a stroker, so you will know there will be times where you're stroking and there will be moments where you simply drop in a little more, right? Either you dropped in or your partner dropped in or one dropped in and that caused the other one to drop in. It is not necessarily the sensation shot up, but you were like extra present. Hmm. All of a sudden you found yourself extra present. And to me, that is almost one of the highest frequencies of consciousness we have, which is complete presence without content. So someone can say focus to let everyone else in the group. Yeah. When somebody feels that either in themselves or whenever they feel that surge, call out focus. That's another reminder to come back into the sixth center and uh, just gently focus on the intention that you had. And the third word is sweet. 
because quite frankly, they are great when a session is going well, there are great moments of sweetness during or after. And I think sweetness is really a big indicator that the energy has bypassed our encumbered lower three centers and it's hitting the fourth center. And if that energy is hitting the fourth center, it's ready to go up because the heart, it, uh, it's, yeah, if you feel the sweetness here, the energy is in a good place. Yeah. So just those three words as like gentle reminders. Oh, yeah. So it's like the heart focus. is right between the lower and the upper, right? It's like the... Yeah. The yeah. And, and that feeling of sweetness, there's a lot of gratitude in it. There's a lot of feeling of abundance in it already, hmm. right? The core, the feeling at the core of sweetness is, I already have everything I need, right? It's, it's how we feel. When you feel that sweetness, you're like, like in that moment, you actually don't want anything because there's a feeling of satiation and gratitude, which is a very high frequency of consciousness because most of the time we are miserable fucks. Most of the time our, our mind is really in a low level of malcontent. Human beings are such malcontents. And I don't know whether it's our generation or our time, but the malcontentness seems to be on the rise. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. I've been around such miserable people as I am right now. Yeah, I think part of it, <clears throat> I've heard one interpretation is that in the first world, we don't have real problems anymore. <laughs> so we were creating problems for ourselves. Like there's no struggles imposed right. on most of us. So it might be, you know, it might be that we, 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 we are an incredibly ungracious and ungrateful people. We can't feel our abundance. And that's truly tragic. Hmm. Right. This is how we feel when we hear rich people have killed themselves. And we're like, what the fuck is your problem? you got the whole world, right? We can't, but we are guilty of the same thing that we, most of us can't feel most of the stuff we have already. Yeah. yeah. That's like another, another really deep place of unwisdom from which to try to do magic. Like you're trying to manifest a Ferrari, but do you appreciate your Corolla right now? Right. It's still serving you well. It still gets you from A to B. It's still, you know, whatever. You yeah, drove, it, drove it yesterday and... You roll down the window and the wind was lovely in your face. Did you appreciate it? Did you enjoy it? And if you didn't, then what the hell is a Ferrari going to do to you? Right. Yeah. All right. So with your ritual, I mean, I know you believe in um, giving and receiving. I mean, myself yeah. as well, like it allows people to polarize. In your rituals, do you do both ways or does one couple just receive for a given night? That varies. The specifics of the activity varies with who's showing up. Sometimes there are couples only, only uh, contacting, uh, you know, stimulating only each other. They can decide whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. They're married couples, they're long-term couples. And then other times, uh, people, it's like halfway between a stroking circle and kind of a communicated and negotiated DS scene. And everybody knows everybody, everybody communicates clearly before we start. So we proceed very gently and we build very gently. Cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, roughly, well, I, I'm sure the group is curated, but uh, roughly people have similar types of intentions. Like how do you, how do you know, as far as the things that you mentioned earlier, like um, yeah. someone having a genuine intention, is there a way you screen for that or coach people through that? Or I, you know, I have no idea. I'm actually, I'm not interested in, in interfering with people's lives that much. I'm like, it's up to you. This is what I feel I want to, this is the direction I want to go in. And, you know, 
in our last conversation, we talked about this a little more. But forget all the magic. We, there's a secular reason for doing this too, mm-hmm. right? There's a, there's a, so you can say the whole sex magic spiel is just a stick, but it's a good stick. And the stick is this, that what the hell is our mind doing during high sensation anyway? Mm-hmm. It's running, it's projecting, it's worrying, it's anxious. We are constantly worried about looking good, not looking bad. So the mind is running anyway, and it's sabotaging our sensation, it's sabotaging our pleasure. So why not give the mind a place to focus? Yeah. So let's say all of magic is all, let's say everything I just told you is total bullshit. And it really might be, I really don't know. Let's say it's complete nonsense. There's no such thing as magic. There's no such thing as raising your energy to the sixth center. There is no sixth center. None of this is possible. Okay. We still want to have good sex, right? Yeah. <laughs> we still want to, yeah, given the choice between good sex and bad sex, most people would prefer good sex. Okay. What's getting in the way of good sex? Our noisy mind. People are checked out. People are distracted. People are obsessed with themselves and how they're appearing and what people are thinking about them. So if that's all the places that our mind goes during sex, why not sabotage that? Why not sabotage that by giving the mind a place to focus? Because yeah. guess what? When you're focused on your sixth center, on that sweet feeling you're trying to create and manifest in the world, all the other garbage falls aside. All of a sudden you're in your body. All of a sudden you're in the present moment. All of a sudden you're really feeling what's happening in your body. That's not so bad. I'll take that. I'll take yeah. the placebo. The yeah, I was placebo. just going to say that. Like placebo effect is one of it works. It gets It's the a great placebo. placebo, right? Who cares if it actually yields the Ferrari or not? It gives you better sex. It gives you uh, less neurosis. It makes you more present with your partner. I'll take that. If, even if it's a complete trick, it's a good trick. And if it's not a trick, maybe something good will come your way from your intentions if your channels are clean enough and whatever, if it works. So cool. it's a win-win both way. So, so to someone who's just learning about this concept now, where, how would you have them start? I think the foundation is really uh, feeling our inner container, feeling our inner body. You know, one of the first uh, exercises so many traditions talk about is like, you know, just hold up your hand. Can you feel the inside of your hand? Everybody from Eckhart Tolle to Tantra teachers will offer you some version of like, can you actually close your eyes and just put your focus on your breathing? on the way your stomach is rising and falling when you breathe? Can you feel the difference in temperature between the top of your hand and the bottom of your hand? Can you feel the inside of your hand? Bring, so these things do a couple of things. First thing, it brings your attention into the present moment because you can't really feel your body yesterday or tomorrow. You can only feel it now. So again, it's a trick. It's a great meditation. To focus on any of our sensory experiences is to bring our mind into the present moment you can't feel it anywhere else. To listen to music acutely, like note by note, the way musicians do, is a deep meditation. Because you can only do it on the knife edge of the present moment, as the music is going by, as the notes are coming, rising and falling. Right? And if you listen to music that acutely, it's a completely different psychedelic experience to be right on the razor's edge of where the music is happening. When you see great jazz musicians perform, and you look at them, 
because they're there, they bring you there. You're like, you're like hanging on to every note, right? And we are doing the same thing probably at the level of touch instead of ears. You could do it at the level of auditory too. Like, you know, yeah. can you hear the buzzing of the light bulb? Yeah, I can. Okay, just keep hearing it. Okay. That's not very interesting. I'll just keep hearing it. All it's doing is bringing you completely into the present moment. Yeah. And sexual sensation tends to be more interesting. <laughs> and it's interesting. It should be easier to focus on. But because the sensation is high, yeah, then this, this can sounds a little more woo-woo. The higher the sensation goes, the more difficult it is for us to stay with it. Yeah, it's you don't I don't have think that, that woo-woo. I think for. most people have it's had a little that bit like hanging on to a live wire. The current is tiny; you can hold on to it. How strong is the current? You're like, this is hard. I'm not sure I can stay with it. Right? Yeah. We all have a checking out point that happens, or we will yeah, check out and realize we've checked out, then we come back. Yeah, that so, razor's edge focus you're talking about. Like, if you could live that way, you'd be so much more effective at everything else. Again, with the putting a magic aside, like you'd be a better entrepreneur. You'd be a better you would. And you know, as the Zen masters would say, it's not that you would give up. You would, it's not that you would give up the mind, but then you would be the master of the mind. Hmm. You would truly think. You would truly think. And it would, the mind would not be running you. You would use the mind to your benefit, to your end. Hmm. Right? They make that point. It's not like the Zen masters completely live in the present moment because they also have to make restaurant reservations and buy plane tickets. They also have to plan. They also have to think about yesterday. They also have to learn lessons. But they know that their mind is going here and their mind is going here instead of nobody being home and the mind is doing what it does, which is the way we are most of the time. New York is a great place to observe that. Just sit on the subway and look at people's faces. Nobody's present. Everybody's mind is, you know, it's a... I call it pre-runs and reruns. That's the mind doesn't exist in the present moment. Hmm. Yeah. So if you catch them in the morning, it's probably pre-runs. They're thinking about what's coming up. You catch them at seven p.m. when they're going home. It's reruns. That happened. That happened. Oh, that was annoying. Oh, I hate that guy. Fuck. Oh. You can just see it. You can see the mind. Pre-runs and reruns. It's where we yeah, are. No present moment. Looking at people and then trying to guess what they were thinking. Because if you were, yeah. friend, you, can, you can have pretty fun conversations, just like pretty making. Yeah, and, and in a way, it's a, it's a good practice because you are in the present moment. Yeah. Because if you are sitting there going, da, 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 and I am sitting there, like, wonder what he is thinking now. I am actually here. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great practice in a way. So to answer your question, like what is, where do you start? Start by learning presence and start by bringing presence into your system. So even if you believe in the woo-woo stuff of being able to raise your energy, you certainly aren't going to do it if you have no capacity to even feel yourself, to be with yourself, or to feel the subtle shifts that happen in your system. When different emotions come up, when different blockages come up, you won't be able to feel I want to know that. Like we've been speaking about sex magic rituals and mostly partnered uh, settings because I, I mean there's something to being able to fully relax when you're with a partner or fully put your attention on someone when you're the stroker the yeah. top or whatever but of course all of these principles would work if someone were to do a solo ritual right I think so <clears throat> and I think it's easier to build awareness alone 
because things kind of get really, it's higher practice to stay present with somebody else, whether in a relationship, in sex, when you're fighting, that's high practice. Yeah. If you can stay, you can stay present, you know, I uh, heard a wise man say once that if, uh, how did he put it? This is a chord heard second and third hand, so I don't know exactly how he said it, but something to the effect that uh, fights can be fun if one of the two people can manage to stay sane. Hmm. Right? And if you want to give a spiritual interpretation of that, like if one of the two people has still has some presence in them while the rage is flaming, there's hope. And something may something may turn positive. Yeah, <laughs> you may be able to bring the other person over, but usually, as Eckhart has beautifully talked about the pain body. Usually, when fights happen, nobody's home. Yeah, pain bodies are fighting each other, and people are completely enraged. From people are completely triggered, and there's no humor. That's always a dead giveaway. There's zero humor, and we are we are. No, it'd be hard to say soon approaching. I think we have arrived in a society that has no humor. Yeah, well, yeah, which is a very bad that. sign. It is a really bad sign. It's it's like a, to me that's like a canary in the coal mine, where things have gotten so sacred that you can't laugh about it. Problematic, really problematic. Yeah. Landmark calls this significance. This is the word. It's very interesting that where you know the the trouble Tony Robbins got in. He used the same term. He used very much a land Martian term when he criticized people in the Me Too movement. He says there are some dishonest people who are using this to simply fortify their victimhood identity and they are using it to create significance. They are very upset about it. They are very self-righteous about it. And it's a dead giveaway. It's a, it's a big problem. And they can never distinguish between the two that we can acknowledge you have suffered tragedy, we can acknowledge you have suffered trauma, and that we all don't need to fall down on our knees and genuflect in front of you just because you have suffered trauma. Because truth be told, there ain't nothing fucking special about your trauma. Ain't they, nothing they, special they, about they, your misery. But yeah, huh? I mean, it's There's nothing thing. special about Those it. Those people will get infuriated, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the Landmark Forum is doing these days. But, you know, I was there one time I was assisting. And this is what the forum leader did. He looked at the woman who was going on and on. And you know what he said? He said, I am so tired of your rape stories. Wow. I am tired. You think you being raped made you something special? He just went off on her. And I think of that moment now and I'm like, impossible. It couldn't happen today. Yeah. It couldn't happen today. He basically wanted to deny that woman the significance she was creating around her trauma. She's like, I'm not dismissing your life. I'm not saying this didn't happen to you. I'm not saying it wasn't painful. But this ego thing you're attaching on top of how fucking special you are because of the pain you suffered, you think there's anything unique about your pain? It ain't. Yeah, well, da dangerous times to have that opinion. I'm sure he's not teaching that way. Who um, knows? I don't know. Yeah. That's actually, I mean, that's why I'm so apolitical. And I know you saw my posts on that, but people got really angry Everyone, at me. You're not apolitical. I don't believe you're apolitical. I believe you simply don't want to deal with the shit. So you're taking three steps backwards. Hmm. You don't feel you can win. Come on, fess up. And I can sympathize with that. I am with you. I'm like, I don't want to take on these people. Really, I don't want to spend my life fighting with these people. It would be a full-time fucking job. 
I want to live my life. I want to drink my wine. I want to do my sex magic. All right, I guess that's fair. I mean, there are certain issues I, I care about, but I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, but you don't want to fight with those humorless people who are wedded to their victimhood. Yeah. It is not a great ride. And, you know, there's absolutely nothing gained in trying to convert them. But Fair. the lack of humor is really, uh, really a canary in the coal mine to me. And, you know, when you look at the social justice warrior madness that has gripped this country and, the, you know, the Western world, really, one of the first indicators, the canary before the canary in the coal mine, was exactly this, that comedians started coming out and saying, we're not going to campuses anymore. Hmm. This was even before at least I knew what the hell was going on. Because I remember Seinfeld coming on one of the late night talk shows and he had had a really bad experience. This is even before they were rejecting commencement speakers because of their political beliefs. And now it's completely gone haywire. But I remember him saying, not doing campuses anymore. Like, why not? Young people love you. They're like, no, they don't. They have no humor. They have no, it's a complete lost cause. They don't get it. Yeah, and like uh, for a long time, comedians were the, were the court jester where they could say the thing and people absolutely. can laugh. Absolutely, absolutely. And, one bad and the mark of a civilized and advanced culture was that we allowed those people their free voice, mm -hmm. right? That's actually, you know, it's, it's a beautiful topic that is uh, close to my heart. That if you do have a good king, a good emperor, he will put a court gesture in his court to keep himself in check because he knows he is, he is aware of the danger of power. He is aware of the danger of him becoming too significant about his own crap. And he needs somebody to put him in check. Right? So it's a very high mark that we have comedians who can make fun of everybody who can cut anybody down to pieces. And I think that's a good thing. That freedom, that, that Liberty they have, that, license they have, that nothing is sacred. Nothing is that fucking sacred that I can't make a joke about it and make you laugh. Yeah. And we're losing it these days. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could have another conversation on that some other time, but uh, yeah, I, I think this is great information on the, the sex magic stuff. Um, for people who want to learn more about your work, especially BS and intimacy stuff, omrapandi.org, right? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I enjoyed this. I, 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 I mean, we had to redo this conversation, but I, I like that we did <laughs> because uh, of the addition of information. Very awesome. cool.